everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Survivor Talks. As you know, Survivor Talks is dedicated to a magnitude and multitude of things, but most importantly, it's about giving the survivors of sexual violence a chance to be in control of their own experiences, share their journey of coming home to themselves, and having a safe space for conversations like this to happen in the first place. Each episode contains a trigger warning as we dive deep into recounting survivors' experiences, mental health issues, the impacts of rape culture, and so much more. On today's episode, I am joined by guest Jasmine R. to discuss trauma bursaries, our bodily responses, consent culture, and so much more related to sexual violence. If at any point you need to take a break or stop listening altogether, please do so. Hi, everyone. Um, so honored to be on the Survivor Talks podcast. Um, my name is Jasmine, and I have been born and raised in Vancouver. Um, I, yeah, I'm very passionate about mental health and I'm currently a master's in science student in public health. Um, and I'm just very passionate about raising awareness of mental health challenges within the South Asian community and also um, working with um, service providers and bringing in that equity, diversity, and inclusion lens, um, as I feel like that often sort of gets missed. And yeah, I, I feel like there's, there's just a lot of things that I do. And truthfully, I'm very awkward with introductions. Um, <laughs> yeah, like my intention is to never just sound like, you know, I have everything all together, because I, I don't always. And I'm kind of just like, yeah, figuring things out day by day. And yeah, just a young woman in my mid, mid 20s. Yes. And if I remember correctly, what's your Instagram handle is underscore will not be silenced, right? That is correct. Yes. yes. And I think everyone should be following that account, hop oh. on it, because you literally share like the most realistic, like, posts about like mental health and the healing journey and like these trauma responses and all these things that just correlate within the, like the mental health sector and I think that you know it's like more than like what other people post when it comes to mental health like self-care is not just like you know a bath or a face mask or drinking tea um your account really just shows and like portrays like this other side of mental health and it's just very realistic and I just love every bit of it thank you so much that yeah it means so much I definitely started off with um talking about sort of mental health and my own lived experience and I feel like over the last couple of years I've really tried to bring in other topics and another one as of lately is just kind of talking about cultural identity and my journey mm -hmm. of culture, embracing my cultural identity and just kind of the ups and downs and how that ties into just like my lived experience, how I have been healing and working through my trauma, um, my, my sort of family dynamics and yeah, just sharing all the different aspects and really just kind of highlighting that, um, our journeys are ongoing and you know even if we have periods of our life where we do really well um mental health is ongoing and something we need to maintain and take care of just like our physical health exactly that's so beautifully well said 
Um, so on today's episode, Jasmine and I are going to be speaking about traumaversary and the body responses that happens um, before and after a sexual assault occurs to an individual. So a lot of you may be asking, what the heck is a traumaversary? Like, that does not make any sense. You know, you might have heard of anniversary or even like the anniversary effect, but traumaversary has a lot to do with the anniversaries of traumatic events. And Jasmine, if you don't mind going more into um, the depth of what exactly traumaversary, like how it correlates with like mental health and how it correlates with like domestic violence and sexual violence. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, traumaversaries, I feel like is a term that um, like you, you don't tend to hear often, but when you break down the word, it, it is kind of just like the anniversary of the traumatic event. And, you know, of course, it's it's not a celebratory anniversary by, by any means. And to some <laughs> degree, maybe for some, it, 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 it can be to an extent where it's like, you know, this much time has passed since my trauma has occurred and I didn't think I would make it this far. Um, I know I've definitely have had a lot of those moments as someone that has experienced a lot of trauma both with sexual trauma but also just other forms of trauma um and I also just want to say trauma can be it doesn't have to be the big things it can be um just smaller things that build up over time um and I and I know it's such a it's it's a loaded word (laughs) um yeah and I definitely am not a an expert on trauma or a clinician. Um, so I encourage you to do your own research. Um, but I have to say, I, I, I think everyone experiences a form of trauma um, throughout their lifetime and you know, often many different types of trauma. Um, but uh, yeah, when it comes to traumaversaries around just um, sexual trauma, um, something that I was, I was sort of reflecting on um, so I am someone that has sort of lived experience. And for me, dates um, around some of my traumas are a bit blurry, um, where I remember like the around the year and like the time of year. And mm-hmm. I kind of notice that, you know, each year when when it's sort of approaching, like that anniversary of the events is approaching, just things are feel off and um, you know, I might be feeling more somatic symptoms in terms of just like feeling physically unwell and having headaches and just stomach issues. Um, and it's just, it's really interesting how even mentally, if we don't necessarily are keeping track of just our trauma history and what sort of happened. And for some of us, we don't even know. Um, like we might not either have language to know what we went through was um, sexual trauma or if it classifies as sexual trauma and in other cases I I think yeah it's just there there can be that denial of like oh like did that really happen to me or did I really like maybe maybe it was just it was not that Um, and I and I feel like I go through cycles of that all the time Um, and yeah, so it's it's just, it's so interesting and fascinating how our bodies seem to kind of just know, um, which kind of ties into sort of bo- the body's responses and um, our, our bodies are 
incredibly, incredibly fascinating and do so much to keep us alive. But what I've learned through um, my journey of healing, and of course, that's that's ongoing. I, I don't, I feel like I have so much healing to do, even though I know I've done a lot. And um, I'm, I'm very much a huge advocate and supporter of therapy. Um, I'm really privileged and fortunate to have access to a psychiatrist and a psychologist, and I have for a couple of years. Um, and, and, I, and I know not everyone has that luxury or access to those things. Um, but um, I, I think what I've learned is just our, our bodies um, do so much to protect us. And um, sometimes it, it can be complicated. Um, trauma is very complicated and even trying to heal from it is very complicated where um, there's, there's certain details that you might quote forget, but even though mentally you might not be able to recall them, it's like our bodies just have this um, ability to kind of hold on to information. Um, and there's a really great book called The Body Keeps Score that kind of explains this way better than mm-hmm. how I'm trying to explain it. But um, yeah, it's it's a known fact. And I actually, um, another book I just got for Christmas, um, which I want to read is When the Body Says No by Dr. Gabor Mate. So okay. I feel like it probably gets into a bit of this in a more medical context from actual professionals. Yeah, I heard about the book, um, How the Body Keeps Score. I kept seeing it on my Instagram and Twitter. And I was yeah. like, oh my God, like, what is this about? It looks really interesting. And I read a little bit of a summary of it. So I know that's definitely something on my on my list. But thank you for sharing all of that. That was just so beautifully said. Um, I do agree with how, um, like, the traumaversary is just, like, this huge collection of all these feelings and these thoughts and all these memories that start to come around a date that marks, like, a really significant event. Um, and like you may be like just going around like your everyday day-to-day life like cooking cleaning going to school whatever and then you start to feel so uneasy around a specific day you don't even realize it like you feel so sad you can feel anxious irritated you can be shut down you're like unable to sleep and then like you just have like this one quick reminder all of us out of nowhere that just connects your emotional state to like this traumatic events traumatic date that happened um and in this case, we're talking about sexual abuse, but it's more than like sexual abuse. It can be like, you know, if you lost someone, it can be um, the date of an, a date of an accident or anything like that. Um, and all these bad memories start to resurface and you realize then and there that you're just like having this annual daily, not daily, I should say, but yearly reminder of like trauma. Um People, I have read like on the internet that a lot of researchers think that, you know, like an anniversary reaction could be linked to like PTSD because um, like this is very common and normal part of like the grieving process. And even though you're not grieving like someone's death, you're still grieving like a part of like a trauma that happened to you, like such as a sexual assault, right? Um, And I know for me personally, like every single time there's like a trauma event, I have lots. So, So it's either like, one trauma um trauma anniversary like every two months and it's just like every month I'm trying to prepare myself for, like the trauma anniversary to come because like I don't know what my body will do and I don't know how I will react 
And I think that's like one of the many, many struggles that um, many of us who have been like sexually abused uh, face. And sometimes people don't even have like a really like a trauma reaction. They just kind of go about their everyday lives and they forget about it over time. But it's like, even if your your mind tends to forget about it, your body really doesn't because, you know, your body keeps count. Um, and I think that like our brains just store all these very <laughs> painful memories and you know years can go by and then one day you can just hit you all at once and you just be thinking like oh my god you thought you've healed you thought you've gotten over it but somehow your trauma burst we just it just takes a huge toll on you or it doesn't it all just depends on on how you how you view it and how you deal with things absolutely and um yeah what you said is just also so profound as well um you touched on two important things. Um, one, just being where, you know, sometimes we might be kind of dealing with a very specific trauma bursary mm-hmm. or a series of trauma bursaries. And I sometimes feel like, um, and, and I often say this to people experiencing grief where, you know, sometimes when you're grieving one thing, um, other things come up and you mm-hmm. kind of just are grieving a bunch of things. Yeah. Um, so that's, that can happen um it may not happen um I think everyone and their bodies are different and also I think it's it's not uncommon if you don't feel anything and you might be just either very dissociated um where it's like you might be aware of your trauma versus Mm. don't really feel much of anything and that's completely okay as well um and I know that can feel really weird because it's like oh like what's what's wrong with me like I should be feeling something and and you don't and that could just mean that your body's not ready to to process or um you know it's it's purposely trying to keep you going and our our bodies are so great at kind of helping us Mm -hmm. in survival mode when things are stressful and it's like okay like you know you might have exams coming up or you might have like a really important work deadline or a family wedding so your body's just kind of holding you together to get through all those things um so I just wanted to say that's that's okay because I've definitely experienced both sides of the spectrum where it's like I can feel very like irritable and emotional and sensitive and just be like quick to cry or it can be the mm-hmm. complete opposite where yeah like, totally dissociated detached don't want to think about it like all of that so wherever you land on that spectrum is is okay and it can really change year to year too definitely um trauma just like it like I just hate how it comes out of nowhere like it just hits you all at once um and I feel like you know, I agree with everything that you said. It's okay to not feel anything at all if you just want to go about your day-to-day life. I, I feel like your reaction is totally, it's totally up to you to decide how you choose to react and how you choose not to react. Like if you just don't really give a crap about your trauma anymore, which a lot of people don't, they don't really care about like trauma bursary and what happened and they kind of just want to move on with life. That's totally okay. But I feel like for like probably with individuals like you and I, we like really sit with it and we kind of like low-key 
relive these trauma traumatic experiences and for me it's like my body memories and flashback flashbacks include a lot of like hearing voices and like if I hear a certain song or if I smell a certain kind of um, smell like an odor or you know I have like some kind of taste or like some kind of like physical sensation I just like my body just gets triggered and it kind of like relapses and it kind of shut down um I have like I've had lots of nightmares and when I used to go to therapy um about a year ago I had to stop because I was having so many nightmares I was having a lot of sleep paralysis um and I talk about this a lot uh, talk about a lot of this in my previous episode called the healing journey I did with Celia um and it was just like so it was so chaotic and it was just so messed up so I was like oh my god I want to do therapy I want to do counseling I want to get help and I want to be able to be okay but it's like it's hard to do that when your trauma just kind of like stems out of nowhere and it like takes this huge toll on your sleeping problems which leads to like sleep paralysis and nightmares and sometimes you have you feel really nauseous and you have stomach aches um your anxiety takes a toll on you you just feel like physically and mentally and emotionally exhausted um and just like even with the way that we think there's like so many problems with like paying attention and concentrating beforehand I used to con like I my short my attention span was the best like I was able to sit through like a three-hour class no problems focus and then I feel like after I went to therapy it was like I had so I have starting to have trouble like paying attention in school and reading like textbooks like I would reread like the same sentence over and over again for like an hour and I still wouldn't understand it and I would just like not think properly I would have so much confusion there were like all these thoughts that would get in the way of like my my activities and sometimes I would also get like memory problems like I would have like start to forget things and it was just so it was annoying because I was like oh my god I just want to be normal but it's like at the end of the day it's okay not to be normal it's okay to not be okay just like you said right um and it's just like I hate the way it affects the way we behave and want to live our daily normal day-to-day lives but it just like it kind of prevents me specifically to like do all those things that I love to do yeah absolutely and I actually um I'm really glad that you're also sharing just um, the impact that your trauma has had on you. And I really resonate with just the symptoms that you've shared around just like not being able to, to focus or um, having to reread the same sentence. And actually recently I've learned um, and, and of course I'm, I'm just speaking from my experience, not saying this is what might be happening to you, Um, but um, my, my psychiatrist, um, one day was just like, oh, have you ever been tested for ADHD? And I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Um, and she's like, you know, like, it's just, it's very common when you experience trauma um, that you could have um, symptoms of ADHD or have like undiagnosed ADHD. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. Um, so I ended up going through with the assessment and went through the checklist um, on my own. And um, turns out I'm, I'm on sort of the borderline of the diagnosis, but right. it kind of just like helped me to understand where I'm like, oh, this is just one of the, the impacts. And I'm like, oh, but I don't understand. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think I had ADHD as a kid. Cause like most, for some people, like they, they often get diagnosed as kids and 
Um, but then I started to learn and research more and um, turns out adult onset is is quite common and for, yeah. for women it can look quite different as well. Um, so I guess that's something recently I've kind of had to grapple with where I'm like oh like I it, it just kind of explains so much and it's um, just when it just when I think that I'm like oh like I I'm mentally doing well and everyone's telling me I'm doing great and I'm feeling great but it's like that's just sort of the impact um that's on my body and you know of course it's there's there's ways to kind of um manage it um like I know people take medication and do really well with medication right Um, I'm on medication for yeah anxiety and depression um but I'm sure it helps (laughs) um but yeah it's just like it's it's so interesting um how that is sort of the case and I I feel like even though um I I might have mentioned that I I've been doing mental health advocacy work for 10 years now and um and I also have worked as a peer support worker um helping children, youth, and families sort of navigate the mental health system and also educating them on um, just different mental health challenges and on mental health and the spectrum. And I'm always just amazed by how much I'm continuously learning, um, both about myself, but then also just about um, how trauma really can impact our development and our brain chemistry and even just structurally our brain. yeah, sometimes it makes me think, I'm like, hmm, maybe, maybe down the road, who knows if I ever go into neuropsychiatry. Um, I've always been very fascinated by um, the impact trauma has. On That's it. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I am so, thank you for sharing that you, like, you know, you're, you take medication, you have depression, you have anxiety. So like, again, like there's like this stigma around mental health where, a lot of, where not a lot of people want to admit to that. And like openly speak about it. Thank you for for really sharing that. That's so brave of you. Oh my gosh, yeah, I could I could keep going honestly. Um, and with medication, I actually do feel like this is important to talk about. And mm-hmm. I know it's a little bit veering off on a tangent, maybe, but go ahead. Uh, with medication, um, I was for the first time when I had medication. I was 15 years old when I was formally diagnosed with having depression and. At the time I was um, hospitalized for my mental health and um, I actually had been um, experiencing the textbook symptoms of depression and anxiety since I was a young child. Um, pretty sure I, ha- I started having anxiety around the age of four and full blown like depression by the age of eight where I was like harming and experiencing suicides suicidal ideation but it wasn't until the age of 15 that I was diagnosed so that's a long time to go without getting diagnosed and at the time um, I I was medicated for the first time and I didn't really have a great experience I think because I was kind of just like thrown into it and I was already on medication for just other health things Um, and you know I kind of just had this association to medicine where it's like oh it, it doesn't help me, it doesn't work, like I, it doesn't do anything for me, um, but about two years ago, I think two years ago, um, I was put 
on medication and my psychiatrist really was just like encouraging me to give it a shot and she's like you know if you really don't like it if it doesn't help like you don't have to be on it um and she was super super lovely and amazing and just totally willing to work with me um so I was like you know what like if medication can make things easier for me I'm gonna let it like if it can take the edge off of how I'm feeling and make things maybe feel a little bit more manageable like that would be great and for me, I was very fortunate that the first medication that we tried, I um, I did really, really well with. And I've been on that medication for um, almost two years. And I, I found like my baseline dose that works for me. And I tried to go a bit higher and it didn't work the same. So I went down. And so I feel like it's just, it's been such a game changer for me. And it's like, yes, I, I could have managed without the medication, but it's like, it's so nice that um, I don't constantly feel like I'm sort of breaking and, um, you know, sort of in the deep end all the time. Like, um, and, I, and I know everyone has like, there's a lot of opinions on medication and whether to be on them long-term or not. And um, of course, I'm somebody who also is very open to trying just holistic means of like eating well and exercise and staying connected with good friends and all of that but I also um I don't think I talk about it enough just how much medication has helped me and um I know in the South Asian community there's a lot of stigma around this as well um in particular and definitely um, definitely yeah and actually my dad a couple of days ago was put on an antidepressant um so that was just like it, it, it took a long time for us to get there and um yeah I, I think like what I believe is like you know it's 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 better to be on medication than not be here because I, I honestly think like even just thinking about what happened the past like year I'm like, I don't know if I would be okay. And, um, you know, I, I don't have any plans to come off of it. And I, that doesn't mean that I'll be on it forever. But if I am like, that, that isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, it isn't a bad thing. And I'm so glad that it works out for you. Because for a lot of people, medication doesn't, like, it doesn't really work out for them. Like, they think, um, yeah definitely so there's like that factor of things and I'm just I love how you know you know what's right for you if you want to continue being on it it's up to you to decide if you don't it's also for you to decide but yeah I think you are smart enough to know what's what's right and what's wrong and to different just to separate like all these different negative symptoms and the positive symptoms and whatnot and you know just the basics of things and I think that that's great like I'm just so in awe while you're speaking I'm like yeah. smiling here <laughs> like oh my god Aww. this is so that's so nice I've never been on medication um and that's just because like I decided to kind of like freestyle life like okay yeah. I have depression anxiety let's just see like how things go and there have been times where it's like oh maybe I should um be prescribed for medication see how that turns out because it's definitely taken a toll on like 
um, my ability to work, my ability to get up in the morning and go to school and do all these kind of factors. And I definitely, for like future references, I don't want to be the girl who shows up way to work, but doesn't show up at all. And the same thing that goes to school, right? And it, it's like, they put things like this, it's kind of hard because it's like, I don't want to be seen as a bad employee, but it's like, oh, my mental health matters. Or I don't want to be seen as a bad student, but it's like my mental health matters, right? And then you have to be put in the position where you have to explain like, oh, hey, I have, dep- I have depression, I have de- anxiety, I have possible yeah. symptoms of like PTSD or BPD and like all these other things that are just correlated with trauma. Um, but yeah, thank you for sharing that. We're just gonna switch the topic over to the body responses. So mm. the fight, flight or freeze mode. And I'm sure many of us have heard about what this is we've probably seen on our Instagram post probably heard someone speaking about it um so Jasmine I'm gonna give it to you to describe what the fight flight or freeze mode is and how this really connects with like sexual violence absolutely um so I I will do my best to describe it in the way that I know um of course so flight fight and uh, fight or our body's defense mechanisms and just ways that our nervous system when they get activated by um, whether you experience a trigger or um, your, your, your body feels like it's in a crisis situation is kind of just how it reacts. Um, where with some people, they, they might freeze kind of just like in their spot where they're not able to kind of talk um just not able to express themselves where it's like in their head they know exactly what they want to say and you know might want to yell and scream but just are unable to do so um other people will experience the opposite where they'll want to kind of fight back um whether it's with their words maybe physically um and with other people they just want to escape the situation and get out like whether that means leaving the room, uh, leaving the the house, um, just not not kind of being there and completely just detaching themselves. Um, and with with sexual trauma, um, I like what I can say for me. What I've experienced is um, more so kind of the freeze um, response, and maybe maybe like sort of, um, you know, wanting to kind of flee the situation and detach and dissociate. Um, But um, yeah, I I would describe it as like the feeling of like, I mean, of course, I I don't know. But if I were to compare it to something, just feeling paralyzed, like in my own body, where it's like, exactly, knowing exactly what is happening, Mm -hmm. or that something's wrong. Um, And just like, feeling like, yeah, like you need to get out, like you need to do something, but just not being able to. And it's kind of just, for me, my, that experience was like, I felt like I was outside of my body. Um, where it's like visually, I think I could like see myself floating outside of my body, like almost watching it happen to me. Um, yeah. Yeah, so you described it so perfectly. Um, fight flight freeze mode is a response to when we're in a new situation um and it has a lot to do with like our physical survival mode like um especially when it comes to like sexual abuse people do tend to say that they do freeze right in situations like that and it suddenly becomes like this um, victim blaming thing on their body where it's like 
a lot of there's a lot of guilt like just that people experience when they're put in these situations but it's like oh my god why didn't my body protect me why didn't I fight back why didn't I run away but it's like that's your body that is your body's way of protecting you right because like if you do try to fight back or if you do try to run away it's like people it's like your body knows that something possibly worse could happen like you could possibly die that you get murdered or like big be stranded somewhere and like no one's gonna know where you are you're gonna be missing who knows where the hell your body's gonna end up so it's a very tricky like situation to speak about because it's like it's a natural response for bodies to do is to just freeze um and you talked about being paralyzed and that's what a lot of people say people do get paralyzed and they experience like all this shame and the stigma that's like oh my god like I didn't push the attacker away I didn't scream I didn't run away and you know I didn't report what happened I couldn't move and you know there's like that's totally okay like it has a lot to do with like our nervous system I'm not exactly sure what it is but there is a nervous system response that makes your body freeze and that's just our way about our of our bodies to protect us and again it's like that double-sided thing where it's like oh hey our bodies are protecting us but it's like but it's also not protecting us because we're being like sexually assaulted right and in terms of that it's like it's a choice that our bodies just kind of make for us during the experience of trauma um and certain like the dangerous situations it may it does has has a lot to do with their survival mode and you know it's like when you see a dog and you tell them to play dead right in front of your body and your body may still freeze in the face of other traumas but it's like it's still teaching us to survive and it's still trying to tell us that it's there and it's intact with us and um, the freeze response just really messes up with like the whole sexual abuse thing because it's just such a sticky little um, branch to walk on and that has a lot to do with like victim blaming as well because whenever you see someone like sharing their sexual assault experiences like their stories and their truth on social media it's like oh hey like why didn't you record it why didn't you take a photo first of all that's freaking disgusting like why do you want to see someone being sexually assaulted right um asking for like proof of evidence if you don't have any bodily harm it means it didn't happen or why didn't you run away why didn't you call for help it's like those are not always the responses that our body tells us to do right majority of the time it just freezes and it's keeping us safe but that's just a really hard pill to swallow and I hate it when I'm like going through comments or like especially like when I'm on Twitter Twitter is (laughs) I have a very love-hate relationship for that app um it's mostly hate though because it's like I see people share their experiences and it's like the comment section is disgusting because it's like oh like you know where's your where's your proof and oh do you have a photo of it it's like are you disgusting like why do you want to see a picture of someone being sexually assaulted or why do you want to see a video of it this generation really moves different like it's a very weird disgusting thing to ask for someone who's coming out of like their shell and wanting to share something like so vulnerable to the world um and the free response is kind of like it's it's like I said it's very tricky um people just don't really realize like this is just our body body's way of responding to it um if we fight back we're gonna end up dead if we run away we're probably gonna end up dead too so there's no winning in our the only win situation is to just freeze absolutely and honestly I think everyone who's experienced sexual trauma would probably say where you know if if they could choose 
they would probably pick a different response than what happened. Uh-huh. Um, and it really isn't up to to us. Like it's it's not a choice. It's just our body takes over and you know just runs the show and you're just kind of there. Um, and it's you're you're so right in saying that there's so much victim blaming and just it it just goes to show um, just society doesn't understand um just the trauma response and yeah you know this isn't common like uh, knowledge even though you would hope that it is like mm-hmm. um you know you would hope that there would be more sort of grace and less judgment and just more kind of compassion but i what i've had to learn um even in working in mental health is that um these are really skills and um, that's why I think it's so important, um, you know, to use like platforms and podcasts and, you know, to use stories to kind of just illustrate just how harmful um, it can be to question someone's lived experience. Um, and it's never okay to question someone's experience. Um, no. You know, you know, okay, like, say if you don't like someone and, you know, you, you don't want to believe them, like, you know, that's, that's your choice, but at least don't, like, don't verbalize that, like, mm-hmm. definitely entitled to their opinion, um, and I know another controversial, um, topic, which, oh, it's just infuriating, where it's like, oh, like, maybe if she didn't wear that, that would yeah. happen, mm-hmm. where it's like, no, no, that's just so backwards, but if that's how you feel okay just like keep that to yourself like <laughs> good, good for you <laughs> yeah I it does bug me it's like you it's very important to believe survivors obviously we can't convince everyone to no. <laughs> try to believe us even though we want everyone to believe us um and it's like that one negative comment can just outtake all the positive ones and that's it it's like the person who came forward and had to experience all that victim blaming from the rape apologist. It's going to feel so down about themselves. But yeah, our bodies has a fear response and it's very common, a very common victim reaction when sexual assault to sexual assault. Um, and it's just that fear of just being physically injured or even being killed. And, you know, and then sometimes we can't even leave our our own homes because of the fear of wanting being left alone in public or you know we're not able to do a bunch of things that we usually do because of the fear response and our freeze fight and fight mode um and often as well we have like this really sense of losing control over our lives like sometimes I feel like people kind of go through like this they have to participate and anything in their lives that's against their will so they lost because they lost control over their own sexual assault um they have this overwhelming fear of losing um control just over any situation that may occur um and there's like all these flashbacks where victims may re-experience assaults over and over again like i was talking about with me personally with like dreams and sleep paralysis um and people can have trouble concentrating. There can be a lot of guilty feelings as well, like self-blame, how we spoke about how, um, you know, I shouldn't have been out this late or I shouldn't have, I should have been dressed differently. 
um you know I should have been more careful about locking the door or not taking that room home at nighttime or whatever it was right or maybe I should have flirted with that guy at the club and it all just kind of all those guilty feelings kind of just mushed together and it's just re- I think it's referred to the survivor's guilt I'm not quite too sure about that I'm I'm sure you probably heard of the survivor's guilt before where it's like the victim booming kind of just sets upon the survivor and they kind of just engage in a lot of this negative self-talk um, even though it's you know their their guilty feelings are just not true at all um and then there's depression there's like that fear and anxiety that we keep coming back to um when it comes to sexual assault as well totally yeah I I'm not 100% sure either if that is sort of survivor's guilt or I think some people call it survivor's remorse maybe it's the same thing probably Uh, that's it (laughs) honestly yeah who knows um but yeah I I think it's it's very common to to go through that and to to have those afterthoughts and those reflections and Mm -hmm. I know that's something that I have struggled with um as well where it's like oh like I feel like I made one bad decision which kind of led to this so it's hence my fault like it's not like it's it's not like that didn't happen like there's that form of like denial and just trying to like justify that it wasn't that Mm -hmm. at the end of the day it's like you know if there wasn't um continuous enthusiastic consent um, or um, it, there wasn't consent on an ongoing basis. Like it is, it is assault, or it is like um, rape. Um, and like in some ways, consent. It's tricky. It's it's tricky. I was gonna mm-hmm. say like it's simple, but it's it's not like. Yeah, it's it's more than just like no means no and yes means yes. You know exactly exactly that's definitely what I was trying to say um um like it should be simple as you know oh yeah you said yes I said yes okay let's do this and oh I said no and you said no okay let's drop it like people don't really realize like behind the scenes it's more than that it's you know you can say yes in the beginning but someone changes their mind and says no that's a consent's withdrawn um stop all sexual activities let it go and this can ignite a lot of like (laughs) like people who have like really big egos and like I've learned that sometimes people have like this really power there's something called a power assertive rapist where they have like really big egos they're fueled by their anger to like sexually assault someone and they often um I believe they do choose out their victims like the most vulnerable the one who's alone at the club the one who's walking home late at night these are things that kind of trigger like oh hey this is someone who I want to sexually assault but it's like even just other than that like inviting someone's to inviting someone over to your house is not consent inviting someone over to dinner is not consent if someone was grinding on you dancing with you earlier in the night that is a consent as well right and I feel like that's what makes people um really confused when it comes to consent because it's like oh hey like you know she was dancing on me or he was dancing on me or he was flirting with me he bought me a drink we spoke weed together we were studying together the other day why don't they want to have sex with me it's like it's not about that yeah that's 
yeah such a good point where it's like it really is it should be ongoing and i i think that's something that um i don't think that gets taught and talked about enough where it's like you know you do hear about consent but i don't think you hear about it in the sense that you know it's Mm -hmm. you heard it once at the start of the night doesn't mean that it's like yes to everything and yeah especially with no it's like oh like oh don't worry about it or no it's not a big deal like Mm -hmm. oh like it's all gonna be good like no it's like no means no like (laughs) no doesn't mean like I don't don't know like it means no (laughs) yeah like just drop the conversation it's over yeah it's like that's it (laughs) done basically basically yeah so that is all for our episode today thank you everyone for tuning in to episode two titled trauma bursary and body responses with jasmine and thank you for listening thanks everyone